Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and you're listening to episode 148 of the Imagineer Podcast. You know, I should have introduced this episode and the previous episode in French considering the topic, but I did not want to offend our French listeners because my French accent is terrible. So I thought I would just introduce in English as I usually do. But this topic today is going to be all about planning a trip to Disneyland Paris. We had a discussion in episode 147, which was part one, where we talked about the time of year to plan a trip to Disneyland Paris or how to decide when to go and what the climate is like throughout the year, planning how long you should stay, how you should get there from various destinations, and of course that question of where do I stay when I go to Disneyland Paris. In part two, this episode, we're going to speak about park going strategy, including which parks we would tackle first, some of the attractions that we enjoy at Disneyland Paris and the Walt Disney Studios Park, as well as places to eat at both parks and the Disney Village. We also talk about incorporating Disneyland Paris into a broader Parisian, French, and even European vacation, and how you can turn this into an opportunity to see other places outside of Disneyland Paris and how easy it is being in Disneyland Paris to get to so many different places from there. Plus some final wrap-up thoughts about why you should consider taking the trip across the pond if you're here in the US or wherever you're coming from to take that trip to Disneyland Paris. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast. Well, let's talk about the parks now that we've we've gotten to that. We, we've gotten our ticket. So there are those two parks. And I, I, I completely agree with Richard, even just the one time that we did it. I would absolutely get, you know, access to both parks. It's very similar to Disneyland. You can't you're, you're sta- you can stare at the other park from one of them. It's hard to say, well, I only got the access to just Disneyland Paris today or just the Walt Disney Studios Park. It really is worth going with the, you know, our version of the, the park hopper to go to both parks. Um, Christina, I was going to add for that May tip, my mom, not mm-hmm. knowing um, or not really not thinking about it. You know, she she knew that this holiday existed, but not thinking about when happened to go to Paris in May. And happened to plan her Disneyland Paris trip on Bastille Day. Um, so it was packed. Isn't Bastille Day in July? Is it? Uh, so it wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't Bastille Day. There was, there's a major holiday in There's May. a lot of holidays in May. I know the 8th of May is You're right, it is in July. Um, there's a lot of them. <laughs> we, we were there. I think we were there. Now I might be getting our trips confused. We might have been there on Bastille Day. Okay. But she was there in May. It was some holiday. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was packed. Um, she said the park was just like mm-hmm. our, you know, like it would be during spring break. Yeah. Um, in the in the U.S. parks. Um, I'll have to look to see what holiday it was. It was in early May, whatever it was. Uh, anyway, so which uh, to round back to the parks. Um, so Richard, I'll actually start with you with this one. Where do you typically like to 
start or how do you navigate the part? And we, we know you start your day at the Disneyland hotel. And yeah, uh, <laughs> so I love once it. you've it's exited, so nice. once you've exited yeah. the Disneyland hotel, where do you go from there? Well, depends how busy it is. And over the years, and it's a great, it's a great thing for the whole brand. The parks have become more and more busy. So you've got to pick your times when you go in and out, like all the parks, the earlier you get in, the quieter, you stay later, do some rides during the fireworks. If you've seen them or the parades, you know, they're the sort of tips to do to, 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 to get in there freely. But I like to take my time and I've got the luxury of that because I've got the annual pass. But I think you gave this tip on, on one of your shows, Matt, about when you, you're going into Disney for your first time. It's um, be calm and relax and just absorb everything rather than trying to race around and do everything. You'll get it done at Paris because they're, they're relatively small parks, but relax and enjoy everything it is is about Disney. Now, if I go back um even before i get to the hotel yeah um in front of the hotel you've got the um fantasia gardens and they're beautiful um you've got fountains and and greenery and absolutely beautifully landscaped and it's a lovely place to have a have a, a coffee or a picnic even as a family in front of before you even get into the parks so that's that's a really nice place to start and you wander in and it's just so magical as you as you come under that hotel and into the entrance of the park and then under the uh, the railway and then you've got you, you, you you're opening up into the, the the town square and then the main street and it's just stunning the castle's beautiful from, from there it's very very tall and I, iconic it, it's lovely i like to take my time um if i am in a rush or a not a rush but if i want to go on a ride or an attraction there's there's two sort of secret corridors either side of main street that you can actually go along and and and, and if there's a parade happening it's great because you can go down these magic corridors and uh, get into the different attractions nice and fast if i've got an attraction in mind then i'm, I'm pretty much like leisurely going through the parking into that but i like to go in Get, get into the central hub and absorb everything and grab a snack and then I'll go under the castle and just really absorb where I am. That's my first day. Um, and then I'll hit an attraction uh, depending on you know what I'm what I'm feeling. But I'm very much um, I'm very lucky, very spoiled because I'm, I'm close and I go there, so I take my time to go there. But I know people go in there of a military list, which is great. <laughs> That's what you want to do. Um, the the app is a great tool for you to use um again it's improved and improved over over the, the years and and we, we've we're all looking at our apps now because i've got mine yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's a great app for, for everything you need and, yeah it actually and, it's great i think actually prefer it over the walt disney world one. Oh wow I, I think it's. A, I, I think it's really improved. the the time The wait times is is the biggie on there. Um, that you can that you can uh, use for the wait times as to where you you'd like to go to. But that's my leisurely stroll in. Depending, it's all depending on what you what you want to do. But I know the parks really well, so I'll, I'll stroll in and just really absorb that Disney Disney magic. And use, using the app is my is my biggie for getting into the rides. And also, and we will come on to restaurants. I know. Um, I check to see if there's any restaurant reservations I couldn't get. I check that app first thing, and I'm I'm always checking in to see if I can get into one of the restaurants that I couldn't, perhaps with people cancelling. So that's what what I'll also do. But I I go to Disney as well to really absorb the that level of uh, beautiful service. I just love being spoiled inside Disney, just sitting down on a bench and absorbing it. But that's just me being you know 
personally and selfishly um how i like to enjoy it but it's it's just such a beautifully landscaped park so that's my first go-to park when i first get there after i've been in the hotel chilling out for a morning breakfast i think we started at disneyland paris as well and we we did uh we kind of jumped back and forth we started disneyland paris we went to walt disney studios park we went back to disneyland paris and that's where we ended up with our day i did look it up it was ve day that was what the uh the holiday that was in may May um, Yep. Yeah, May 8th. So that was that's what it was. Um, Christina, how about for you in terms of uh, park strategy? I I mean, like Richard already said, I'm one of those militant people when we go. <laughs> um, because you're we are so limited in as to time, but I definitely agree. Have the take at least a moment to be present when you're there. Really soak in all the magic. I I, I think the best place to do that is when you're walking down Main Street because for me, the Disneyland Paris entrance is just so transformative when you go in. It it really is so beautiful. And that castle is just absolutely gorgeous. So I just love that whole aspect of it. But um, my sister-in-law, she is an annual pass holder as well. She lives in France. And she told me her number one tip is to run to the Crush Coaster because there's no fast passes for it apparently still. And she said... I beeline there because I want to get on that ride because it's so awesome. Um, we didn't have that strategy in this most recent trip because my little one was too small to ride that coaster. And I would have loved to have gone on it with her, but it just didn't work out. Um, obviously, or just on my own, I would have done it too. But but it didn't work out this past trip. But it is a really, really fun ride. Otherwise, our strategy kind of changed the most recent trip. We did buy a few individual uh, fast passes, or I, I don't know what the term that they used in particular, um, can recall, but thank you. Thank you very much. So, um, we did do that for a few of them. I know it's changed even since we went. Um, but I think it, the strategy we have when we were just adults in the group, you want to hit all of the big, <laughs> big rides. Oh, yeah. So I think we often prioritize the roller coasters. Yeah. Um, I definitely always want to hit Big Thunder. Like we said, it's absolutely fantastic. It is so different from other ones. It's on a level of its own, I feel. And it's just so much fun. And then I really like Hyperspace Mountain. I I love Star Wars and I, I like that overlay that they did it. And I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and the next time we go, I'm definitely going to be checking out the Marvel section of Hollywood Studio, excuse me, Hollywood Studios, Disney Studios. <laughs> um, so the, it kind of, I think it, the strategy I had previously, it's going to keep changing based upon the age of my children, of course, but also the park is going to be so completely different in the next four years. Yes. Yeah. The additions that they're doing there. So I, I, I like Richard said, the app is your friend. It really, you can tailor your day based upon that. You really should have enough time to do the main things that you want, as long as you're just paying attention to those wait times. And if, as long as you're not visiting during a peak day, like VE day in May or Bastille day or what have you, um, it's, it's pretty doable overall without having to pay extra, which is really nice. Um, but my leisurely stroll, like you were alluding to, I feel like that happens at the end of the night. Um, once we've gotten the majority of the things done you walk down Main Street, do your shopping, and then I also like to hit 
Disney Village and and the hotels if we can. It's just so nice to have that at the end there. But yeah, I think militant in the sense that go in with a list of your must-dos and check the wait times. And be and you're gonna be have to be flexible with certain things with regards to which ones hit first on certain days. But overall, it's very it's a very doable two parks trip. Yeah, I I I second that. It there's uh you know the the attractions that you mentioned first of all crushes coaster I'd put on the extreme end for motion sickness so anyone who gets <laughs> yeah. please might not be yeah. mad approved <laughs> it's it's uh I look at it and I just get sick just watching YouTube videos of it it's basically primeval world and the you know with, with a dark section component. <laughs> but it's so much more theming to it it's so great I love oh, it oh the theming I agree yeah. so much it's um I'm not equating it from that from a motion sickness <laughs> perspective it's basically okay. primeval world put in a in a building um so it's it's a little little nauseating if it, if that's uh if you don't do spinning uh i would not recommend that coaster but otherwise it's it's adorable and really well themed um hyperspace mountain i think people hear space mountain and they think about disneyland or walt disney world this is not no. that it's essentially rock and roller coaster meets space mountain there's three yeah. versions there's yes. a launch an incline launch which is the only one I think um, the only incline launch at a Disney park and uh, Thunder Mountain, you mentioned there's attractions like Phantom Manor, which yes. are, you know, basically the Frontierland version of Haunted Mansion, which is Western so version cool. of it. It's so much fun. And it's um, just been it's just been like relaunched as yeah. well and got an amazing new section in there. It's well worth going because it's di it's different to the U the US. It's like it's so oh, different, so familiar but so different. It's and even the views from that queue are just amazing. Like you can amazing. see Big Thunder Mountain in the distance, and it just the ambiance of it is so well done. I think I love it. It's great. Their Pirates of the Caribbean is also really wonderfully done. It's it's more like the Disneyland version in California than Magic Kingdoms. It's longer. There's two drops. There's, um, mm -hmm. you know, really elaborate theming. It's got that sort of, you know, not Bayou in the beginning, but Caribbean, you know, sort of vibe that re is reminiscent of the Bayou at Disneyland's version in California passing by. Um, it does pass by a restaurant. Yes, it does. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very yeah, similar, yeah. similar aesthetic to that. They have their own. It's a small world. They have Star Tours is in Discoveryland. So sort of similar to Disneyland's Tomorrowland has Star Tours. Um, trying to think. Oh, the you mentioned coasters. They have, in addition to Crush's coaster, the Indiana Jones themes um, roller coaster over at Disneyland Paris Park yeah. as well. Um, which that's one that's fast and furious and and that used to go backwards <laughs> yeah it doesn't anymore and and because it was too violent <laughs> it, was only, it definitely only... is, is a shuffler of your head for sure <laughs> it's, it's, it's can, can i add a couple of bits in yes there, please because i because we've got the 30th anniversary at yes, disney paris right. there's there's some incredible bits not to miss when you come into the uh you know, Central Plaza, where you've got these amazing sculptures that they've put together and they're little scenes from different Disney movies. And it's it's, it's really great. You, you can get mesmerized. They, they're, they're like moving, mo like a mobile. 
uh, sculpture. They're, they're beautiful. If you're into that sort of thing, it's really nice. It's it's really beautiful. And a, a really nice thing we did for the uh, 30th was um, they're, they're doing, because uh, you're in France and you're in Paris, doing champagne um, in the park. And, and, and we'd go in and we got a glass of champagne in a lovely 30th flute and stood in front of the castle sipping our champagne in the sun. And it is absolutely beautiful. We've got some really nice touches for the 30th, including the nighttime drone show, which is just fantastic well just before the projections and fireworks you've got the 30th drone i'm sure people have seen that online but it's, it's really stunning when you're there and just larger than life and it's a really 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 nice thing and if people are into their shows i really love the shows yeah um lion king is quite new and is it's brilliant it's not in the round like in in, in orlando it's, it's in an amphitheater of about it's got about three thousand seats it's a really beautiful theater and it's a it's a circus style lion king um and then mickey's mickey and the magician in the um the theater in uh in the studios is just magical is if you're really into your shows and of course the parades um you've got the big you've got the big dragon that breathes fire that comes through and the, the parades are absolutely fantastic and they do a really nice show that comes up main street during the day i think maybe four or five times and it's just a big giant party in 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 front of the castle and they, they, they come up on the floats and it's a big giant party if you're if you're into the shows and 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 the characters that's a really 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 nice one but i i like to jump in and see the shows that's a bit yeah of a the thing. shows are fantastic and and like i said earlier the whole juxtaposition of the french with the english is always super cool yeah um we actually were lucky enough to see the disney junior dream factory um shortly mm -hmm. after it premiered with my daughter and it was so adorable and so well done it i'm i highly recommend it for anybody with younger kids it'll definitely hold their attention it held my attention on I, I cried at the end but i mean oh. i cried most disney shows what am i gonna lie about but <laughs> it was really it was really cute it was adorable but the shows there are very well done and i really hope to see the, the new lion king one when we go next time it's I'm fantastic i believe it <laughs> highly recommend it the home of circus as in france and it's it's it's, it's beautiful top tip don't miss going underneath the castle underneath yes. the computer's castle and seeing the dragon yes the dra and then wakes up i mean that's fun. and you can climb up inside the castle and go outside onto the balcony and climb down a spiral staircase um, on your way out. It's the views are beautiful from up there, um, and you, you go inside, outside, through the castle, through corridors, and it's, it's really lovely. And underneath the castle, the dragon awaits. So, so don't miss the dragon. Some people don't even know there's a dragon under there. It's, That's right. It's quite, it's quite hidden, but it's don't miss it. It's really yeah. good. Lots of wonderful little touches at at Disneyland Paris. Um, we did reference and we should probably talk about um you know their old fast pass system now called premier access and i know they have two levels now so you have premier access one and premier access ultimate um premier access one is paying per attraction similar to our individual lightning lane options here in the us those when i checked the website range from five euros to 13 euros which this you know the exchange rate could change a little bit but is right now a little less than five dollars um to basically 12 12 13 dollars um per attraction very similar to inline to the us costs the premier access ultimate um there's 12 attractions that are on the list and this gives you access to all of them so as a bun for one time each so as a bundle it is uh 
discount on if you were to pay for those individually. But for those who are used to Genie Plus, the numbers might shock you a little bit. Um, so Premier Access Ultimate, depending on the season, ranges from 90 euros up to 170 euros, which is basically, again, almost $90 to $170. The exchange rate's fairly even right now. Um, Richard, have you had the chance to use either of these systems, Premier Access One or Premier Access Ultimate? I've only used Access One, um, which I think is probably the best to go for because the, it's like with the Genie app, it's, you, you don't want to go on all of, all of those. They're not not all the things you want to do, but the, the Premier one's really good because it, you can do it on the spot. Um, so if that if that queue, if that line is really long, literally on the app, bang, and you're in, and it's really fast. Um, and that's that's how I tend to to work. It's like what are my must dos? Big Thunder and Tower of Terror, and then and it's it, it, you know selfishly the ones I I like to do. And if if there's a line over a certain amount of time, I I just jump on that app and and, and bag myself a a Premier One, which is really good. Top tip for Crusher Coaster because that's come up a couple of times. If you get there at the end of the day and that that riding queue. They've got a single rider on there as well. And there's quite a few single riders around um, uh, Paris, uh, Disneyland. And if that queue says to you it's going to be an hour in the single rider, it's not. It's only 20 minutes. It's it, it's deceptive. End of the day is the best time to jump onto, onto Crusher. But Premier Access 1 is great, I think. I, I would agree. I mean, I definitely, especially looking at <clears throat> excuse me, the attractions on a list, would probably not hit all of them. Um, and you never know the day you go, the the standby queues might be, if you go off peak in particular, pretty, you know, low wait time. So perhaps it's not worth it to you to 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 pay for all 12 or just one or two of them. But yeah, Richard, if there's a, a 90 minute wait for Tower of Terror, just hop right on the app. Um, pretty simple to find a time. Unlike, I think a lot of Walt Disney World locals might be familiar with, well, if you're looking in the afternoon perhaps a lot of the spots are gone it's i think more similar to disneyland california you generally find spots available throughout the day um even if you have to wait a little bit to, if it's towards the end of the day to get to the attraction um to your attraction time to start we we referenced food we should talk about food um i think you know disneyland paris is interesting because paris as some of the best food in the world and is known for its cuisine and i you know we've had some wonderful uh, culinary experiences when we went to Paris. Disneyland Paris is not known for having the best food, <laughs> which is a bit ironic, um, you know, relative to the other Disney parks. But I have heard that they have also done a great job of revitalizing that um, aspect of the park since turning that um, perception around. Admittedly, the one day that we were there, um, both Joanna and myself were sick that day. So we only really spent half a day, a little more than half a day there. And neither one of us was all that hungry. So we only had a couple of quick little meals. We So my my take on the dining is, you know, not valid because I didn't get the chance to experience much there. Um, Christina, you've been a number of times. What are some and you have, I think, even mentioned to me when we were thinking of going, you had mentioned some specific places to keep in mind. Um, so what are some of your your top tips for dining at uh, Disneyland Paris as a resort? Like I mentioned before, the Manhattan restaurant in um, the Hotel New York, Art of Marvel, I really enjoyed it. 
Um, I even like, I was looking through my phone in preparation for this and I had pictures of like my burrata appetizer and this lasagna thing that we had. And it was delicious. We had a great time there and it even got the seal of approval from the two Frenchies with me. So I, I consider that high praise because they are very particular. <laughs> um, but the other restaurant that I absolutely adored every single time we've gone there um, which has been several times because we keep wanting to go back is the Bistro Chez Remy, which is the extremely themed restaurant that is adjacent to the Ratatouille ride. Um, and it's when you walk in, it's as if you're walking into Remy's restaurant that you see at the end of the film and you are literally sitting on like corks for chairs and there's paper umbrellas around and there's Christmas lights or twinkle lights hanging around. And it's just so extremely well themed. But on top of that, the food, we've always had a great experience with the food there and the service. Our favorite was a waiter who remembered all of our orders in by heart um, when we were doing it in three different languages, Spanish, English, and French. So that was wow. really interesting. Um, and like literally nothing came out wrong. Everything was perfect and delicious. And even our more recent trip with my little one, it was, it was fantastic from start to finish. Not to mention as soon as you're done, if you don't have motion sickness issues, you can just hop right on to the ride right after. Cause you're in that be beautiful me. courtyard. <laughs> I figured, but for those of us who don't suffer from that, um, most people just, listening. It, or you can even go beforehand, you know, to minimize motion there sickness issues. But it, it's the whole section of the park there is very beautifully done. And that restaurant just has a special place in my heart. I think it's a great combination of food, service, and theming, which is always going to rate highly in my book when it comes to Disney. Um, those are the two main ones that I've really enjoyed. Otherwise, like the, the quick service can leave somewhat, you know, to be desired. But, um, in the past, there there were places that were all right, but I've heard from the remodel of the renovation of the high school musical section, for example, they used to have that, which was really fun, you know, for a millennial like me, I loved it, but that's since now going over to the Avengers section of the park. So there's going to be a lot of new options, and I think that's going to help revitalize that perception, like you said, but for me... I'm not so focused on dining when I'm at the park in Disneyland Paris because I'm more trying to get stuff done than I would typically do at Walt Disney World when you have maybe a little bit more time in the park there. But I I do think especially if you have a mixed group of ages, the the Remy restaurant is just fabulous in my book. That's my number one. But I've also eaten at Walt's. Um, I've done the Silver Spur Steakhouse, which is all right. Um, really cute ambiance as well, but similar to what you'd find in other parks. Um, Plaza Gardens restaurant, very reminiscent of like Crystal Palace. They have, I believe they have character dining there again. Um, but yeah, I, I'm probably going to focus on one or two restaurants and then just do the park all day long. That's typically my go-to strategy with that. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I would probably agree with that. Richard, how about for you? Because you've done the park with a more leisurely pace as well. Yeah, so I'm sure you've done I'm more dining. Yeah, I'm very, very spoiled. The, <laughs> the, food, the food used to be terrible. I think that perception is disappearing. But you're absolutely right. The, uh, go go back 20 years. It was terrible. They really didn't know how to do food. And you do think, oh, I'm in France. I'm in Paris. <laughs> What's going on? But 
I'm so impressed with some of the restaurants there now. I like truly am impressed, and I'm a bit of a foodie, and I, I they're, they're starting to really take pride in in the food there. So, quick serve. I think I agree. Quick service stuff. It, it's improved. It's it's not an American hamburger. It's it's not, but it's improved, <laughs> and it's improving like Casey's Corner and places like that. It it is improving. Now they've also got in the studios. They're they're trying to do a bit of an Epcot food hut thing throughout the studios, and they've got and there's a it's increased in its volume um, since I've been there recently, and they they've um, they've got lots of different countries represented where you can go and have a snack. It's a bit hit and miss, if I'm really honest, but we had some delightful food uh, from there. Some am- amazing beers as well, if you're into your beers and, and French wines. They've got French wines and beers, so bit Epcotty, not quite on that level, but some of the the French dishes in there are really good, and, and it's a bit hit and miss um, on those food huts. I've got to go to my all-time favourite. I, I agree with you that Remy's Remy's place is is, is beautiful. Uh, the theming, my favourite, and you 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 alluded to this um, that you've been is um, what what I call it Walt's place. I think it's called something slightly different. Walt's um, Walt's Walt's restaurant. Walt's it's an American restaurant. Walt's yeah. American restaurant, and it's American restaurant. It's like con- contemporary America. It's not American food. It's French. <laughs> it, 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 Beautiful. The chili con carne, for example, one of Walt's favourites. Just absolutely stunning French twist on a chili con carne. Um, what's so beautiful about that place is the theming as well. It's it's based around uh, I think like eight different la- the eight different sections of Disney, and you're in. It's almost like eight different restaurants. And if you can bag a table by the window, you watch the parade as you're dining. It's just stunning. And we were so fortunate on our last trip that we got a. A table and and my tip we, we couldn't get that restaurant and the tip was we went on the app the night before and it just popped up and i was like book you don't have to put your credit card in to book restaurants which i think maybe uh, well there's reasons i'm sure in the, in the in the in the disney machine why that that is but i think that may allude to people booking when they're not necessarily going to turn up um yeah. so it, things do get very very booked up in advance and and the, the choices become very limited um so book up it really book up ahead if there's certain restaurants you'd like to go to and um jump in the app but jump on the day before the night before on on the day um plaza gardens it's a buffet and it's it's brilliant i think the food level quality is really good and and you're the characters um agrabah middle eastern food in the in the park we went there recently there's always space next it's such a big restaurant the food quality is amazing the theming's very nice the service levels were a bit hit and miss for us but that's you know that depends who's on shift i guess silver spur steak i agree with you it's a bit theming's lovely i think there was one it's called a steakhouse there's one cut of meat and it was brisket it wasn't great in my opinion (laughs) i would agree with that yeah, <laughs> uh, my opinion. Um, for princesses and princesses, the and, and I'll, I'll butcher this name, but Agajerdi Centrillon. Can anybody else? Alberge the Centrillon. Alberge. I don't know. I have to clarify that, but I think Centrillon. Someone told me how to pronounce it earlier, but I've butchered that. I apologise. But for princesses and princesses that want, you've got all the princesses come up to the table in there, and it's classic French food, and it's really quite good we went there for a birthday it was really lovely captain jack's very similar to disneyland in california where you've got the uh the the attraction ride boats coming through beautiful um french twist on sort of caribbean or caribbean as you would call it in america caribbean food in the studios mentioned the epcot style stands but hit and miss but great beers 
uh, Bistro Chef Remy, lovely. The hotels have all got buffets in them and some signature type restaurants. And I think the quality has is really elevated um, more so recently. Um, and then in Disney Village, you have got a complete mixture. Um, there's uh, you've got your Rainforest Cafe. You've got Annette's Diner, which is like a burger bar. Come around on roller skates and serve you a very you know American diner, and that's that that's improved over the years because we've been in a few times. Planet Hollywood. I don't think the food's great in there. Again, personal personal that's, opinion. Uh, that's Rainforest Planet Hollywood. Cafe. You don't go. Planet you don't go for the food. Yeah, <laughs> over the food. Great theming. Um, Rainforest Cafe fantastic but again the food's not that's great got billy bob's country and western buffet they have a great bar and atmosphere in there and um have a buffet then you've got mcdonald's you've got um you've got uh Caf mickey as well with the characters earl of sandwich starbucks so you've got those options in the in in, in the disney village just outside security you do have it's still really on disney I'm sure Disney owned the land, but it's just outside the security ring. There's a pizza place, and it's quite nice. And then there's a Five Guys Burger if you if you do want an American uh, taste in your mouth when you're out in in Paris. But it's I quite like a you know Five Guys Burgers. Five Guys so, is everywhere I now. Love five Guys everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> so lots of options, and I think it would be unfair to say that the restaurants are still not there because I I am so impressed with the offerings that you're now getting inside Disneyland Paris and. Walt's Place, Walt's American dining uh, experience. That's my favourite. It's absolutely lovely. And uh, bag that seat by the window so you can watch the parade come past. It's absolutely magical. I love that. There's a lot of, I mean, you took us on a culinary tour of Disneyland Paris with that answer, which is fantastic because now everybody knows all the options that are available to them um, and places that I will have to return when I, when I make the inevitable trip back to Disneyland Paris myself. Um, so I think I think we covered a lot when it comes to to Disneyland Paris in terms of attractions. We know there's shopping. We know there's um, you know, we, we went through this list of, of restaurants and all different types of places to eat. And so I think it's it's probably worth and and I'll I'll definitely leave time for anything we might have missed as well. But I think it is worth talking um, a little bit about the culture um you know it's i found everything as from an american perspective i think number one you know humility when it comes to any sort of um an empathy cultural empathy when you go anywhere is extremely important so um i think as americans we tend to go in sometimes with a very um you know with with this idea of what our vacation is going to be like and maybe not and you know it's not true for everybody but sometimes people don't work as hard to adapt to the culture um we knew that we wanted to be as empathetic to the french culture as possible never having been to france not speaking a word of french um and if we did speaking it very poorly um but we personally found that going was not as inaccessible as we thought it would be um you know we did our best to speak some french and you know i think everyone took one look at us who was a local and just not that we were i guess we're just dressed like americans but took one look at us and then and then confirmed when we tried to say bonjour in french and just immediately said how can we help you <laughs> <laughs> we tried we tried um but yeah. especially in paris everyone you know I, I found that it was amazing how many people actually speak english in paris which i was not 
expecting. Um, you know, you don't go to another country expecting everybody to speak English. Um, anyway, so language barrier I didn't find to be too much of an issue, but um, you know, Christina, especially for for you because your husband is French, so and you have family, you know, now that's in France. So, can you speak a little bit about some of the the cultural differences coming from America that people might might not realize, um, or just you know how to make the most or be prepared for a a trip to Paris um, and to Disneyland Paris in French. In French, yeah. Can you, can you say it in French? <laughs> no, I absolutely cannot. <laughs> um, to kind of piggyback off of the last topic we were on with food. One thing I think is very important for a lot of Americans, especially, to realize the portion sizes are going to be very <laughs> different. A large at your McDonald's would likely be like a, a super size in a French McDonald's. So just be cognizant of that. Um, if you're used to your larger portion sizes and you do want to eat a little bit more, maybe just order a little something extra. Um, I find that you can usually find pretty good value in a lot of the places you go to eat, maybe a little bit more value than you would say get in an American restaurant. Um, but just be cognizant of the portion sizes with regards to that. Um, that's a big part of it. Uh, another thing that I'm making a generalization here, but it's just something I've come across is that there's this perception that even within Disneyland Paris, that the cast members aren't quite as maybe friendly or smiley as they are in other parks in the U.S. particularly. But I feel like it's it, that is a huge cultural thing as well. It's not natural. Again, generalization here, but from my own personal observations, it's not as natural for them to just smile at someone when you're walking down the street. Um, you would say hello to them maybe, but you're not going to have this big giant smile plastered across your face. And that's not anything speaking to politeness or friendliness. Even that's just, I feel like it's more of a cultural norm there. So it's not so much something you would probably experience in Disneyland Paris itself, because they're kind of trained with the cast member magic, in my opinion, a little bit more, but in Paris, you might experience that a little bit more. Um, kind of gives me like New Yorker vibes where we get a bad rep for not being the night, the, maybe the, kindest all the time or maybe not the, the friendliness friendliest but we are kind and i feel like that kind of is what you would see there people might not be overtly friendly with you but they are willing to help you out and like matt said a lot of people do speak english or at least try to help you um if you make an effort to kind of meet them halfway um i feel like that's something just to keep in mind <laughs> it's a, definitely a big difference between here and there um way people dress for the parks also i feel it's a little bit less focus on leggings wear uh there's still it's still more casual than you would find in paris itself for sure but it's probably not as casual as you would see a floridian park goer as you would see there and granted a lot of that has to do with the weather it is very different you are going to be wearing your layers but i would just be cognizant more of um, maybe your Crocs, maybe leave those at home and opt for something a little bit nicer, just a little bit more refined if you want to kind of blend in a little bit more and not stick out like a sore thumb. Um, the, they're just, I feel like they're a little bit more refined with what they wear. And there's not, in my opinion anyway, there's not as much, not as many people who go all out dressing for Disney. 
I like to wear all of my theme shirts and all of my crazy Disney stuff, my ears and whatnot. And you'll definitely see ears and you'll definitely see some things like that. But I just feel like it's not as much of a priority for a lot of the park goers there. You're not going to see as many dapper outfits per se. Um, and I mean, that's a little bit of a letdown, I feel, because I feel like they could really do it up. But it's just not and from what I've seen on my trips. It's not something that you're going to see as much as you see people down here doing it. Yeah. Christina, I got the same reaction or vibe with the people in Paris. We were, I think, just based on things that you hear, expecting to get the cold shoulder everywhere that we went just because we were Americans right. going there. But um, I, we did not get that. And it, it maybe is, again, trying to meet everyone halfway, being respectful and empathetic and um, not having an expectation maybe of of level of service or you know it, it's it, it might be a, a combination of all those things but we found everybody to be really warm and friendly right. um i mean tipping culture is not the same there right yes, so that's we're not going too. to get that that necessarily that same style where maybe an america a french person in america might perceive it as being fake which i mean to be to be honest yeah to a degree it probably is because you want to get you know the money right um but it, it their their service level will be different to that extent. But if you're going to a high level restaurant in France, in Paris in particular, those individuals who are serving you there have studied it. It's not just like a job they picked up. This is their yeah. professionally studied. So yeah. there's there's definitely some you know to that too. Yeah, Richard, how about yeah. for you? Because um, you've been yeah. many times. Yeah, um, I think that's that's really interesting to hear, and I I agree. Um. With everything you said, really, it's um, when you equated to New York, the perception from a European person's point of view, when you come into New York, um, people can come across as as maybe brash, um, and and it's I think New Yorkers are super kind, but they're very direct, which I yes, quite like. And, and and it's that again, it's just that culture. I think you hit the nail on the head, Matt. Cultural empathy, and I think I would encourage everybody to travel as much as possible and if you're you know into disney this is a great opportunity to 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 launch you into europe in in a quite like cuddly way because it's disney um and and you i find the more i travel the more cultural empathy i you know tend to sort of pick up and it's 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 definitely something to to bear in mind the the language uh, talk about the language first of all my mum my lives in france she's near bordeaux and she's fluent in french she's been out in france for about 15 years I think now and whenever I'm out there and I was out there in the summer uh spent the summer out there and um whenever I'm out there I do my utmost to speak to order in French now my French is terrible but I can do little bits but I do my utmost to to order in French to my mum's embarrassment but they're, they're very receptive just outside of Bordeaux when I'm in Paris and I attempt any type of French uh, the same as yourself Matt I'm just greeted with just speaking English it's just straight away English I find it Disney they're very accommodating and want you to try the language it's and again it's that disney service standard that they've they've learned it's right let's have some fun and let's teach each other some new words etc um i'd say 80 to 85 percent of people speak great english across paris and throughout the disney parks which is quite comforting if you think you're coming into to this foreign land and everyone's going to speak this strange language but you know they'll understand your your accents from across america which is which is which is great um Tipping culture. I think it's, it's also worth noting back on the on the restaurants within the park. You can't tip on your card in any of the restaurants, which I really don't like. Um, tips aren't expected, but 
in some of the higher end restaurants, you really do. I personally really want to sort of show that uh, that thanks with a tip. But it's cash. So do carry some euros, some cash in terms of have some euros. Cards are everywhere. Like you can tap your cards. Uh, you, you don't have to insert the cards and put pins in across Europe. You can just tap your cards um, up to about 100 bucks, which is quite quite useful. So tapping your, your, your credit or debit cards as you go um, is, is quite useful. Um, and you're, you're right, Christina, they, the, the, cult, the uh, service in a restaurant, a waiter or waitress, it's a profession that they learn. And you'll find a lot of um, older waiters and waitresses that that's been their profession. Um, there's minimum wage in Europe, so they're not on sort of one dollar an hour and they, they're working for tips. They're on a they're on a, a, a goodish wage uh, working in restaurants, depending on the company they're working for. Um there's uh, another sort of cultural difference with with foods and restaurants, I guess, because you're going to go into you're going to eat food every day, right? Um, you have fixed price menus across France. So you'd have like a um, and and same within the parks. You, you choose from a different menu, and it's it's almost like a fixed menu, um, and you and you choose from that menu. Now I know from my trips across in the US and my US friends, the Americans like to sort of substitute this and add this in and take the bacon off and put the cheese on an extra this. Well, the French won't tend to do it. It will come their way. Um, you'll have it how, how it's how it's produced. The steak will come out how they feel the steak should be served. You can you can request. I mean, Disney's a lot different. They'll accommodate that. But I think in Paris itself, it's it's gonna you're gonna be given it the way that you're supposed to be given it. Um, that's changing as as as, as service standards uh, sort of uh, come through uh, through Paris. And things have changed a lot in Paris. It used to be very very rude. I think. Parisians are very direct, um, they're quite sort of matter of fact. And I think equating to like a maybe New York culture is quite good. I think that's some similarities in there. One big cultural uh, nag of mine, especially in the in the parks, everywhere you go, even though there's designated smoking areas, oh, yes. so, so many people smoke. And if you're, I mean, I'm a non-smoker. Um, I'm really not a fan of having secondhand smoke blown around. So it's just something to bear in mind. And it's not necessarily someone's doing it on purpose or um, there are designated areas and it's got a lot better. Um, but people will smoke in the parks. People will smoke uh, in Paris. You'll, you'll be walking into clouds of smoke. Um, some uh, Europe has rules where you're not allowed to smoke in restaurants, but there are designated areas. But the parks are full of smoke. That's one big bugbear. It's improving. I'm sure it will absolutely improve as time goes by um and then my um my main top tips with the culture in paris and the parks those are wonderful answers too having been there more times than i have um but i, I, I got a lot of that <laughs> yeah I, I, I forgot about that too it's just um, so commonplace i guess in french culture it's everywhere it's still so common but that was a great great mention especially with kids it, it does happen on the parade routes too just FYI, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Just take it in stride. Yeah. Thinking about our, you know, so sort of wrapping this up a little bit, you know, we've we've talked a lot about Disneyland Paris itself, the culture of, of Paris. Again, a lot of people listening probably have never been or are only going to go once in a lifetime or once in a, you know, once or maybe one, two, three times in their lifetime if they're lucky. So thinking more broadly, we if you're listening, you know, the three of us, anyone listening, you're obviously a Disney fan. So there's no question you're not, you know, you're gonna you're going to go to Disneyland Paris no matter what. Um 
how else would you structure or think about, and this is a very broad subject that we could spend an entire episode just doing in itself, but how would you think about structuring a trip to Disneyland Paris and taking advantage of the other aspects of visiting Paris or France or Europe, um, assuming you have at least a week to spare? Um, and hopefully you're not just going for three days to Disneyland Paris and coming home. Um, where else or what else would you consider doing to make it a broader trip? I'll turn it to Christina first. Okay. Sure. Um, I recommend that the first day you fly in and maybe even the day after, if you can accommodate it within your limited schedule to try and have a day of adjustment to the time change. That will set the tone for the rest of your trip. It is a significant time difference if you're going directly to France. Um, it typically is six hours. There is some variation because their daylight savings time is a little different than ours. So there might be five hours here and there, but you're, most of the time you're looking at six hours. And so that's, that's from the East Coast. So correct. From the yes, coast, good point, Matt. Thank you. Yes, yeah, six hours from Walt Disney World, guys. So that's something to definitely take into consideration when you're making your plans because that jet lag is real. If you can at all structure your flight to be a red eye, like Matt mentioned, it actually, I think, is preferable because you get a little bit of sleep. Majority of flights are that way anyway, but you get you can get some sleep on the plane. It, it will set the tone for the rest of your trip. It will help you adjust that much sooner. Um, so typically that first day, check into the hotel maybe do a little bit of sightseeing. Like on our most recent trip, we were kind of mixing it with family. So we actually visited a castle that's a little bit on the outskirts of Paris, the castle at Fontainebleau. Um, beautiful castle. Um, it was one of the ones that they had in use when Versailles wasn't built or something or other. And then Napoleon actually gave up his, uh, his empire there, or his crown, what have you. My husband knows all the specifics. All I know is I took pictures there when I got wet, married and it was gorgeous. But anyway... We hung out in the in the gardens there. We enjoyed some food that first day. I just don't recommend if you can at all help it. Don't make that first day your militant day of getting a bunch of things done. If you can ease into it, enjoy some spectacular food, some scenery, it's going to help you so much to adjust and enjoy the rest of your trip. I, on the other hand, if you do need to adjust quickly, a little trick I did when I went to Hong Kong Disneyland is the day after I arrived in Hong Kong, instead of taking it easy, because I knew I didn't have a lot of time and I had a lot of energy back then in my college years, I went to Hong Kong Disneyland immediately when I got to Hong Kong because I knew that I would be determined to adjust because I had to get everything in in that one day. So there's two <laughs> sides to that coin, okay? Don't recommend doing that if you have small children, though. <laughs> it's not ideal. But that first day, depending on how your flow is, that that's the way it would go. But I recommend, if you can... Um, if you're going to do your few days in Disneyland Paris, what we did this particular time that I think really helped is that we did Versailles one of the days and Versailles is a little bit out of the way from Disneyland Paris. But if you have a car, if you have access to a car, it is doable. Um, it's not that long of a drive. And we did Versailles during the day and hit Disneyland Paris in the mid afternoon, checked in, in our, into our hotel, had a nice meal. We could have hit the parks if we wanted to. We had the tickets included with our package. And then we were able to just hit the ground running with extra magic hours the next day. Um, did our few days at Disneyland. And then once we were done with Disneyland, because we could have gotten rid of our car, we actually chose to keep it. But recommend actually just, you know, go, bringing it back to the rental if you are going that route. 
we went to Paris and then you just enjoy your Paris time. I wouldn't recommend like going back and forth. Like oftentimes when you're in Walt Disney world, you'll have a day at the parks and then you'll have a day at the resort and then you'll have a day at the parks. Try to put them, I think closer together if you can, and then enjoy Paris. Paris is an entity unto itself. I think you really can get into it. If you are stationed there, don't go back and forth. I think that's a lot of wasted time too. Um, but I would structure the outside excursions on the tail ends of your trip if you can, because if you're also going to be going to the airport, maybe that last night you want to get a hotel closer to the airport to save a few bucks and to save a headache the next day getting there. Pair it up with one of the other places on the outskirts of Paris. It could be a really nice way to just kind of finish it off and enjoy Paris while you're there somewhere in the middle in a consistent number of days. Just my two cents there. Great ideas. Um, nice. Richard, any other any other ideas for well uh, coming from the UK, of course, you need to fly into the UK to be it's able to... very easy to do. <laughs> I it, it, uh, there's some fantastic deals, especially out of New York, into into the uh airports into the UK, and mm -hmm. you can stay. People, there's this, this misconception that staying in London's uber expensive. It can be as expensive as you want or as budget as you like. There's some great options for both ends. Um, what would I do if I was coming in from the US? I would come to the UK first, of course. That's um, what we did. I'll second and fly that. In. And then jump on the Eurostar. Um, the Eurostar will get you, as I said earlier, two and a half hours door to door, li literally door to door. You're in central London. You can get to the Eurostar. You only need to arrive 30 minutes before you jump on that train. Not like an aeroplane. Security is super fast coming through. It's not like a, uh, and especially not like an American TSA um, drama. It's really quick. You come through, um, you're straight into Disney and you, you stretch your, your, your Disney experience um, and, and enjoy the parks. There's a few little bits around Disney. There's a, there's a massive shopping complex if you're a shopper, which is um, uh, literally, not even 15 minutes, 10 minutes ride from Disney. Huge shopping complex from anything anything under under one roof. It's, it's a really big shopping complex, shopping village, Val de Europe, it's called. And there's also the, um, the Villages Nature uh, complex, which is swimming pools and nature. So they're sort of very near the parks. You're also, don't forget, you are literally an hour from Paris, but you're also a few hours from Amsterdam on that same Eurostar. You're a couple of hours, you're next door to Brussels. Um, and I recently came up from south of France on a on a high-speed train. It's like three and a half hours in. So the, the train network is fantastic in Europe. It's really good. And if you book ahead of time, you, you'll get it for a steal. It's, it's, it's super cheap. My favourite way to get around London, if I've got friends coming over, as tourists and they want to see london jump on a open top bus tour don't worry the top's closed as well when it rains but <laughs> that you'll see the most amount of london my favorite way to get around when i'm in paris is using the city scooters and city bikes they've got cycle lanes and cycle paths and scooters you'll see everything and they're they're really 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 good when you're when you're in london and the same in amsterdam it's bikes everywhere but but don't forget you're next door to brussels literally down it's down the road and they do some of the most amazing belgian beers and then you've got um you've got the other place uh, just up the road amsterdam and that's really good to go and see so lots of options when you're over but i think christina hit the nail on the head by saying uh, 
do it in sections. You know, it's not a, I'm going to go there and back again and there and back again, structure it in sections like you would with any kind of trip. But I think, I think a week, you can do so much in a week. I really do. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what we did. I mean, we flew into London from New York. It is almost too quick of a flight to Christina's <laughs> point about sleeping on the plane. Cause it is, it's six hours. Uh, that's six hours. You know, it's, nothing. it's, it's, it's really fast. quick. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes me sometimes longer to get to Disneyland in California than it does to get to London yeah. from New York. And yeah, the red eye flight straight into London. We chose that because it was, uh, it was going to be our first time in both of these countries. And we wanted to have that, you know, go into an English speaking country first to kind of get our feet wet. And then it was great to take the Eurostar uh, again to second that it was so such a wonderful experience taking that um, to the heart of Paris or you could take Disneyland Paris as well. But yeah, I, the train, the train system there, it's so easy to get so much done. And there's it is incredible how quick you can get to all different places. I I would, if we were to go back, I think I might actually repeat the same experience again, to be honest, starting in London, maybe devoting, I would like to do like a two week trip or, or three week trip and see more for <laughs> maybe take a month. Uh, if we can, if we can swing it, uh, I can work remote. I'll, I'll do some remote work maybe <laughs> from, uh, from, from Europe and, uh, and see more of the sites in the UK and, uh, and spend more time with Richard and go into uh go into paris from there maybe or maybe if i were to do it a french trip you could do too to richard's point you know go down to south of france yes. um spend more time please I'll, I'll say this if you are going to disneyland paris please see paris it is not that i've traveled the world but it is my favorite city that i've been to and it's such a wonderful city culturally historically um you know uh, culinary, the, you know, it's there's so many aspects of it. The architecture, the, the there's just so much to see in in Paris. It's wonderful. So thinking about, um, you know, we've we I think we've covered just about everything that at least I had on the list that I wanted to to go through, and I feel like this probably armed a lot of listeners with some information about planning a trip like this it's not just like booking a trip to walt disney World if you're in the us but it's really not as inaccessible as i think a lot of people realize and even budget wise to richard's point richard kept talking about like budget it, it you can do it on a budget it doesn't have to be this extravagant european vacation you can absolutely do this and fit it into a very similar budget to going to Walt Disney World, um, assuming you have to fly to Walt Disney World because the airfare can be an expense. But, um, you know, it, it can still fall within a very similar budget to going to Walt Disney World, but you're going to Paris um, and seeing Disneyland Paris. So wrap up question. Um, we'll stick with the same order. Why not? We'll start with Christina and then go to Richard. Final thoughts, advice or reasons why someone should consider taking this trip, especially if they haven't before. Um, I kind of reflect on what you've said in other podcasts, especially with Maggie, make the trip. Don't be intimidated. It, there's always a way, there's always going to be people who are willing to assist you and to help you. And there's so many resources out there now, just leading up to our last trip, because I knew it was going to be distinctly different from other ones I've taken before to France. I was scouring the web for all different kinds of information. And I came across some really great podcasts that kind of cover many, many topics. Um, so it just kind of eases you into it. I also listened to like a history podcast about 
France and Paris. And that really helped like narrow down what I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. But the biggest hurdles you're going to face, honestly, is finding that flight. Google flights is your friend. I was looking the other day for my sister-in-law just to chat with her. And there's flights right now in November, December to Paris for $474 round trip on Lufthansa. Okay. So we're talking a really great airline. It's doable. Just be flexible if you can and just look out for deals. Um, but that's going to be one of your biggest hurdles just to get started. Right. And then for Americans, the passport. Yes. A lot of people (laughs) don't have passports because they haven't ventured outside our borders before. And I know that that for other people outside of the United States, that might come as a big surprise, but there's so much to see. Our country is so vast and so diversified and what you could do within its borders. A lot of people don't get one until they absolutely need to. Um, So right now, the wait on a passport, because I have to do one for my son, is I think it's about 12 weeks for regular processing. So if you're even considering this trip, it's it's a good thing to have. It's another form of identification. It will make your life easier in a lot of other ways. There isn't an expense associated with that. But then you're good for five years of trips for your, your children and 10 years of trips for yourself. It's It pays itself in dividends over the years because you're going to experience more travel once you take that first step. Um. Another thing that I would touch on with regards to the passport is in, by I think it's November of 2023, there is going to have to be like a special little program that you're going to have to do that outside of the United States are already familiar with the ESTA, I believe it's called. There's going to be the European equivalent of that. And basically it's just kind of like a, sc- a screening tool that they make you apply for online. From what I'm seeing here, I think it's going to be called the ETIAS, ETS or however they're going to pronounce it. But you're just going to have to apply for that if you're planning for a trip after November 2023. That's your main hurdles right there. Everything else can come together. There are so many booking tools out there to find hotels. There's so many things to do. Narrow down your choices. And I think if there's ever a city to be a tourist, it's Paris. You don't have to worry about living like the locals do in that. And if you're only there for so much time, be the tourist. Maybe don't dress so touristy, try to lay <laughs> off the athleisure wear, but enjoy being a tourist there. Take that that river cruise on the Seine, you know, take those photos outside of Notre Dame. Can't go in it right now, but hopefully in, by 2024, you could. Um, and there's a grand opportunity for anyone who might be a little bit nervous about being somewhere that they don't speak French. 2024, Paris is hosting the Olympic Games. Granted, that will translate probably to larger expenses to go there, but you're going to be in a world community even more so than ever there. So if that's something that maybe is on your bucket list is to go to an Olympics, maybe that's your opportunity there to explore Paris, go to the Olympics and go to Disneyland Paris on top of it. You know, it's the cherry on top of it, but just take the trip. Don't put it off. Get over those hurdles, book your flight, get your passport, and just enjoy. Yeah, there's really no, uh, coming from a city where we have a lot of, I think, tacky tourist destinations, <laughs> yeah. I, I had I had thought maybe there would be some places like the Eiffel Tower. I thought, you know, maybe that's tacky, that's there. You know, n- this is not fair to say, like our, our version of is the Empire State Building. <laughs> 
it is you know nothing I mean, nothing the same i mean i no. i loved the eiffel tower um and i do not like tacky landmarks i mean it was so nice and that set the bar right there i'm like if i like the eiffel tower you know i'm gonna like everything else yeah there's no, i mean there's no tacky landmarks. the view from up there is just so beautiful and even just the time of day you go it changes so much yeah and if you can you try to book your tickets ahead of time and try to get that ticket for the summit at the very tippy tippy top and you'll be blown away. It's amazing. Um, and another thing to add in terms of accessibility for Paris in general, if you're afraid about the language barrier, Google translates out there, as Richard has already mentioned, it goes a long way deciphering things, but a lot of websites are, they have translate translator buttons at the top with different flags. Now, mind you US people here, your flag that you're looking for is going to be, I think it's the Union Jack, not the American flag, because, you know, English is from England. So just FYI, it's going to be up there, but it's it's there for you to use. And it makes life so much easier. Pre-book those tickets and just make the trip. Do it. I, I want to hear Richard's thoughts, too. I will add one more thing in terms of resources that's accessible today that makes life so much easier. YouTube. Yes, you absolutely. Can, you can literally watch videos. You can take a virtual tour of Paris. There are people who just put up like four hour videos of walking through Paris. You can find just about anything that you want to find on YouTube. And it to me, it's even better than a website because you can visually see even different absolutely. seasons. Um, you know, there's there's videos of the Eurostar. I mean, you can yeah. see what I'm talking about. They, take videos of the seats and the, the arrival process and the whole trip. I mean, it's it really will literally walk you through the process. So if you have yeah. any type of anxiety, you can literally see it step by step. And granted, things, of course, change in the moment. Disney is also changing, too. But we are so fortunate to live in a world where we have people making videos constantly. Absolutely. And if I can just shout out my yeah. one of my favorite podcasts for planning, specifically to Paris trips, not so much Disneyland Paris, the Earful Tower, so kind of an appropriate name. Um, it's run by a guy named Oliver G. He's out of Australia, but he's been living in Paris as an expat for a while. And I believe he's married to a Swedish woman, but everything's in English. And they do awesome videos of the little districts of Paris called arrondissements and goes really in depth. And he's he's got a little one too now too. So just there's so many resources out there just to, to kind of piggyback off you, Matt. Fantastic. Richard, how about you? I know we just talked through a lot of ideas, but what else <laughs> would you add to that or other thoughts about uh, yeah, any other advice or recommendations for people? Listening? Yeah. So I guess so my, my sort of roundup as to why yes. to do the trip would be um, cultural empathy from travel. It's just travel has given me, has opened my eyes so wide and I, I adore traveling. And um, I know the US is a, a big, a big, big place, and lots of people haven't been outside the US. But and but, and it does make us Europeans chuckle a little when we hear that, that some people don't have a passport because it's literally a six-hour flight into London from New York, for example. We're closer than you think. We're just a hop over the pond, and it really will expand the cultural empathy. So that's my, my number one. Um, number two is it's so so close. And when you're in Europe, everything's even closer by these the, the train network. Um, we have really good budget airlines as well over here. It's really friendly going through our security. It's not not like the TS, T, TSA, TSA, yeah. T, TSA. It's it's friendly and it's quick and it's easy. Um, and we 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 let, you know we're 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 good like that. And it's so we're so close. We're so close. And because you're a Disney fan, because you're listening and you're a Disney fan, you're going to want to go to 
Disneyland Paris and Matt's Matt's already said that you're gonna go it's it's gonna happen it's possibly the most beautifully landscaped park that I've been to I'm fortunate to have been to most of the parks apart from over in Tokyo but that's on the list for next year that's happening it's happening um it's it's a beautiful beautiful park and i think you're gonna have an absolutely beautiful time there and and come over into these cities and and get lost like lose yourselves down down these 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 back streets and and come and lose yourself in a in a european experience but my number one is cultural empathy through travel it's just going to absolutely expand your horizons if you've never been over to europe and paris particularly it is a beautiful city it's i'm biased it's my it's my neighbor my mum lives across there and and i'm and i'm a season ticket holder for the annual pass so that's that's my bias but make make it happen if you're a disney fan you're definitely gonna come to disneyland paris yeah i i would agree a hundred percent and i think from the intimidated traveler's perspective this is probably one of the easiest ways for you to take that first step like has been matt has stated go to the uk first there's many parts of the UK. You can go to London. You can go to other places as well. An English-speaking start might just get your foot feet wet and then make your way over. It, Europe, it's so easy to get from country to country in comparison to over here. Mm-hmm. My husband always would joke that it takes us longer to leave the state of Florida than it would take to get from his home than to Germany. So <laughs> it, it, it really you can really broaden your horizons with such ease over there once you take that first initial step. I think we're going to get Maggie's passport and <laughs> make the trip. I've convinced myself through this podcast episode to go sooner than later. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, I want to uh, to thank you both for chatting. I know it's been like almost two hours, but it, it, we, we try to keep this so as, as quick as possible. <laughs> and that I still feel like we left so much out. But thank yeah. you both so much for uh, for hopping on and contributing so many ideas and uh, recommendations for people to consider taking this trip to Disneyland Paris. It was a pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for having us. You bet. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Really enjoyed that. And with that, we close out episode 148 in our two-part discussion about planning a trip to Disneyland Paris. I hope you enjoyed this second part of the conversation. I feel like when I was recording it with Richard and Christina, I was tempted to plan another trip to Disneyland Paris soon because it has been four and a half years now. And perhaps now is the opportunity that Joanne and I will sit down and think about taking Maggie while she's still free to travel to these destinations. But of course, I want to turn this conversation over to you and hear your dream wish trip when it comes to going to Disneyland Paris. Now that you've heard this discussion, where would you want to stay? How long would you want to stay? Where else would you want to go outside of Disneyland Paris? Give me your dream itinerary. You can send me these answers and your feedback in many different ways. The easiest, of course, is on social media, where you can follow Imagineer Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, or on Twitter at Imagineer News, or even better, join our Facebook group, which is the Imagination 
also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, because you get to chat about the subject with me and with other listeners of this community and get to see other responses to this question and even ask other questions in our group about all things Disney. We cover a wide range of subjects, of course, within the Disney space, but I encourage you to follow us there. If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whichever podcast app you are listening to. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating and a review in either one of those places, but especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the number two podcast apps in the United States. I sincerely appreciate it and I'm so grateful that we have maintained essentially a five-star rating in both of those places. It's like a 4.9 out of five on Apple Podcasts, but a 5.0 out of five as of the time that I'm recording this, at least, um, in Spotify. And it definitely, reading the reviews, I do read each and every one of them individually. And it really encourages me to keep moving forward and, more importantly, lets others know what to expect when I hit that play button. You can feel free to leave suggestions for first episodes to listen to of the show or any other thoughts you have about the podcast. But again, I sincerely appreciate it. More so than that, if you love Imagine Your Podcast and want to take that love and appreciation to the next level, one of the best ways you can support the show other than, of course, sharing it out, which is perhaps the easiest, is to consider joining our Patreon group over at patreon.com slash podcast. It sounds cliche, but I mean it. This podcast would not exist if not for our Patreon members, because it does take quite an expense to run this show, especially when it comes to getting quality content for you. And imagine uh, Patreon is a way that you can help to support the show. And in exchange, because I don't like just taking donations, you get extra content. I mean, things like bonus podcast episodes, you get a private Facebook group, you get a, we have virtual events, we have a streamable binaural audio that you can enjoy on the go. There's lots to enjoy. This These terms and conditions are subject to change depending on when you're listening to the show. So the easiest way to figure out what is currently available is to go to patreon.com slash imagine your podcast. And as always, I want to thank our more than 100 members of this Patreon group, because like I said, without you, the show would not be possible. So I sincerely appreciate your support. And when you're ready to plan a vacation to, well, let's be honest, if you're listening to this, you're probably planning a trip to Disneyland Paris. But even if it's Walt Disney World or Disneyland or Disney Cruise Line, even Aulani, Adventures by Disney, any of those destinations, please consider working with our travel partner, Magical Park Vacations. You can learn more about them over at MagicalParkVacations.com. They are who I personally use now to plan my Disney vacations, and they are a complimentary service. I know that sounds unbelievable that it truly is a complimentary service and you pay exactly what you would pay going through Disney. The difference is you get a team of experts to help you to plan this vacation. Um, and for those of you who are skeptical, like, well, how does that even work? How can they operate? Well, Disney pays them commission on your Disney vacation. Um, so you can learn more, request a free quote, get some ideas from them. It's really worth reaching out to them. They are an amazing team of individuals. They're highly trained and so great at helping plan Disney vacations. So you can learn more about them at MagicalParkVacations.com. And if you want some extra support, I mean, someone to kind of sit down with your family, listen to what you're your wish list is and you know especially if you haven't been to the parks in a while or if you just want to make your vacations even better you can consider working with their concierge planning team over at wdwparkplanners.com they are a team of 
concierge planners who will sit down with your family, understand those needs and those wish lists that you might have and some of the ideas for some of the things you'd love to do on your Disney vacation. They'll help you to come up with a personalized day-by-day plan for how to make the most of your Disney vacation. They'll come up with, you know, even how to navigate the parks and sort of the best strategy, where to start in the morning, which parks and attractions to go to. And if things happen during your vacation that you need support with, their concierge team will also be available to answer questions during your Disney vacation. And in the case of me and my Disney vacations, they have even um, helped to, you know, chat using the app directly with cast members to help and answer other questions and issues I might have run into on my Disney vacation. So it's really worth considering at least reaching out to them and learning more over at WDWParkPlanners.com. Last but not least, you know, I talked about this in part one. I'm going to have to talk about it a little bit more in part two as well. Uh, You know, go after your hopes and dreams, whatever they might be. And in the context of planning a trip to Disneyland Paris, again, I mentioned in part one, it's not as intangible as it seems. And so many people, especially here in the U.S., we talked about the fact that there are so many places to see in the United States. There are individuals here in the U.S., who have never left the United States and seen someplace else. I think it's so amazing that in the world we live in today, it is easier than ever to, in the case of going to Disneyland Paris, hop across the pond, you know, jump on a plane, takes, like we mentioned, from New York to London, we're talking about six to seven hours in the air. You get there, you're in another country, you are in another culture, you're seeing historic sites and absorbing and gaining so much knowledge and awareness of the world around you. It's an amazing time to be alive, to have these opportunities, to get to these places. And again, to Richard's point, it might seem on the surface like a European vacation is an extravagant, expensive trip. And let's not, you know, let's not lie here. It can be. You can absolutely go all out and make it a very extravagant vacation, but it doesn't have to be to be an amazing one. And especially with such a quick trip across the pond to London, uh, you can easily make that happen and have an amazing time. And that concept of cultural empathy, take it from Richard, he's been to many places, is so important. If you've got kids in particular, that's a real, but even as an adult, that's such a great way to build that cultural awareness, to gain empathy, and to build up your own personal, again, knowledge, and so much more. It is, you know, as someone who's done it, I can say that it really opened my eyes as well. And it was such an amazing vacation that I cannot wait to do again and to see other places as well. So make that dream a reality and start putting to paper some of the ways um, and start looking up and researching some of the ways that you can make that dream a reality. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer podcast.
dreaming of faraway places yet unseen. We say in the words of our great poet Baudelaire, et sans savoir pourquoi, disent toujours, allons. They leave for the sake of living, and without knowing why, they always say, we must go. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing, the joy is never-ending, and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your Walt Disney World Resort vacation today. Call 585-662-3686 or visit MagicalParkVacations.com.